Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February the 5th, and our chapter reading for today is Exodus chapter 10. I cannot describe to you how much time I would need to be able to really lay out these plagues. But as you know, we are going through the key chapters of the Bible, and it just seems like that everyone is key. However, you must listen to chapter 11 and chapter 12 over the weekend. I have noticed that over the weekend, the podcast listening falls off by about 5%. Now, that's not many, but that's a lot when you're talking about the number of people nationwide, worldwide, that listen to these podcasts. And I just want to encourage you. I know that we are forming a habit, and habits are hard to form, but the great habits are even harder to break. And that's my desire for you is to really get into the Bible reading plan. Not that the plan is sacred, but the Bible is. And what you and I need to do is get in to the Word every day. And many of you have already written me, or some have even texted me or called me because you have my number, and have said, God has become real to me. God has changed my life already. I cannot imagine what's going to happen before the year is over with. And all I want to say to you is, fasten your seatbelt, hold on, because when we get into the Word of God, God meets us us in his word. These are truly God's words to us. And so I hope you understand that this is the whole goal is not just reading the Bible or a certain plan. The reason I chose just one chapter a day is to help get you started on a lifetime habit. It's the way it is with anything. If you're dieting and you just do this for a little while, then you go right back to your old habits, then you never are going to shape your character that way. I would encourage you to make a commitment. If you have made that commitment and then you have fallen away or you've drifted from that, go back to it today and say right now, just stop and say, God, I want you to please help me. Now, listen, God will answer this kind of prayer. You need to stop and say, Lord Jesus, with all of my heart, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Right now, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me for allowing other things to come in place of reading the word with you and listening to your voice. This is what prayer is, is listening, communicating, talking. Yes, prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is communication with God. And let me tell you what God has to say to us is far more important than what we have to say to God. 
And so we need to get into the book of God and begin to listen to his word. And so with that said, we are in the middle of the plagues. As a matter of fact, we are in the eighth and ninth plague in chapter 10, the plague of locusts. Now you see what's happening if you've been following along. God is decimating Egypt. Not only is he getting Pharaoh's attention and all of his leadership, but he's also decimating Egypt. In other words, Egypt is not going to be the beautiful garden spot of North Africa and that Middle Eastern fertile crescent that it had been in years past. Their might and military is not what it should be because you cannot have a great military if you can't feed your troops and if your troops are withdrawn from you. And that's what has begun to happen. The livestock has been plagued. Many have been killed through hail because they didn't heed the word of God and the word that God spoke through Moses and Aaron. And they have a leader that is bent on defying God. And so that's exactly what chapter 10 is about. So we have this plague of locusts of where you couldn't even see the ground. God describes this locust plague as something that had never happened like this before, nor will it happen after. And there have been some tremendous plagues of locusts that come across the Middle East and Northern Africa. This was the worst that there ever was. And it frightened the people. It scared the people. If you can just watch any of the locusts that the great swarms that have gone into a place, it's frightening. And this was the greatest in world history. And so God was saying to Pharaoh, I can turn it on and I can turn it off. And he's done this all the way through. And so the Bible says that Pharaoh would harden his heart and God would continue to harden his heart. And then the scripture says that he got so angry that he drove Moses and Aaron out from his presence. You can see that in chapter 10, verse 10 and 11. But I want to get to the ninth plague, which starts in verse 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may be felt. Now, this is very important, darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness. Now, there's two primary words for darkness in the Hebrew language. The most common is the one that is used throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Old Testament. But this is the word for not just darkness, but in the book of Job and in the Psalms, this is a darkness that has to do with gloom. It has to do with a depression, with the sense of heaviness, with a sense of fright, of dread, of something that's supernatural. As a matter of fact, now listen to this. This is as described in verse 22. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. Now, why is that important? Look at the next verse. They did not, who's they? The Egyptians. They had light in the camp of Israel. They did not see, that is, the Egyptians, they did not see one another. In other words, they were so dark. I mean, this is a darkness that was a prelude to hell. You understand that when people sarcastically and really with no thought whatsoever of what they're saying, talk about, well, I'm going to hell. All my friends will be there. Well, let me just say to you, sir, let me say to you, ma'am, if you are in hell and your friends are there, you will never see them. All you will do is hear the screams of torment. The Bible says it is a place of outer darkness. 
Now, the Greek words are different than the Hebrew words, but this is a darkness that will be felt, a darkness where you cannot see your hand in front of you. It is a darkness that is frightening, that is scary. And this is exactly the kind of darkness the Bible says. Look what it says. They did not see one another. It was so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of you. You couldn't see your loved one beside of you. Listen to this. Nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. That means they stayed in bed. They stayed seated. Wherever they were, they did not get up and stir whatsoever. Why? They were mortified. They were scared to death because this was not an ordinary darkness. It was supernatural. And especially with the Egyptians and with Pharaoh, was this a, pardon the expression, a wake-up call of darkness. Because, you see, the Egyptians had many gods. They were, of course, polytheistic, but the chief god was Ra the sun god. Many of the pharaohs had Ra in their name, like Ra Moses. And it is an incredible thing that God did in this ninth plague before he settled everything, as we're going to see in chapter 11 with the death of the firstborn. But in chapter 10, God gave them a prelude to hell. And it was outer darkness. It was absolutely so heavy that it was depressing. It was gloomy. It brought on all kinds of horrible thoughts. They couldn't see. They couldn't see one another. They couldn't even see to light a lamp. If they could have, they wouldn't because they were afraid of the darkness itself. And so the Bible says they didn't see one another. They didn't rise up for three entire days. God got their attention. And the Bible says, but all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, I just want to parenthetically say to you that this is where we are today. This is really where we are today. You and I are the light of the world. The Lord Jesus is the light of the world who lives in us by his spirit. And you and I are the light of the world that God's given. The world is an outer darkness. It is a dark and horrible place. And people are not seeking after God. They are running as hard as they can the other way. And it's not a secret in the scriptures that the Bible says that men live love darkness. It is of a truth that light has come in the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and they are anti-God and the world leaders are anti-God. The world system is anti-God. Pharaoh had to be humbled because Pharaoh failed to humble himself. Now it's interesting in the New Testament that when the Bible talks to his children, when he talks to all of us that know him, and walk with him and live a life of obedience. I'm not talking about a sinless life, but the habit of our life is to obey God and to love him. To us, Jesus is precious. The Bible says to all of those who believe, Jesus is precious. I mean, he is not the man upstairs. He is precious and we adore him. And if you don't adore him, then you may not even be saved because you see, that's the life. Jesus is our life. He's not a part of our life. He is our life. And so, 
also the Bible teaches that we are to walk humbly with God. We are to humble ourselves. In the Greek text, in the New Testament, there are three primary voices. In English, we use, for the most part, active and passive. Active means the subject is the one doing the acting. And so we write, uh, good writers write in active voice. We speak in active voice. And then there is, I'm not talking about tense, I'm talking about voice. That is, uh, the subject is doing the acting or passive being acted upon. Someone's doing something to us or to someone. That is passive voice. But in the Greek text, there is a middle voice. And I call it the voice of personal responsibility because it is best translated into English in a reflexive way. I myself, you yourself, he himself. That's the idea. And in the New Testament, when God speaks to the believer about being humbled, he always uses the middle voice. In other words, it is our responsibility to humble ourselves. And listen, if we don't humble ourselves, God will humble us. And God gave the king of Egypt called Pharaoh and the Egyptian people an opportunity to humble themselves, but they did not. God in his mercy does that, but they refuse to do that. So God is going to humble Pharaoh. I mean, after all, he looked at himself as a God, as a representative of the great sun God. Why would God bring darkness? Because here's why. God takes wicked men and those who walk in wickedness, and even in his children's lives, when we put something up, whatever it is that we have as a replacement for God, whatever we have as an idol, in our lives. Let me tell you, God's put a bullseye on that. If you're a child of God and there's something that's more precious to you than God himself, God is going to get your attention. You might as well understand he's got a bullseye on that. Why? Because he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your life. He doesn't want your wife, your husband, your children to be your God. These are gifts from God. Your husband is a gift. Your wife is a gift. Your children are a gift. They are not the giver. They are God's gracious gifts to us. But what happens is many times we start worshiping the gift more than we do the giver. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful about this. I know many parents, many parents down through the years that have lived for their children. Well, we don't live for our children. We live for God and our children are to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, understanding they are not the most important thing. God is the most important person and they are to submit their lives to him. And I believe one of the great downfalls of our culture is we have made our families and our children our gods. Now, for years, there was great neglect, but I think we have swung the pendulum the other way. And so I'm praying for balance among God's people, especially in the church, because we've made children just gods. That's not the way God meant. God gave children just like he gave a husband and wife as a gift, but we are to worship the giver not the gift. We are to worship the creator, not the creation. And so 
Pharaoh had to be humbled. So what was it that he prided himself on? He was a representative of the sun God. So God sent darkness to show that he was not God, that the Lord, he is God. And this is the end of this great confrontation. God is about to land the final knockout blow. And Pharaoh will not only let the people leave, he will thrust them out because God will show himself strong. And not only will they go out, they will go out wealthy. They will go out rich because God has a plan for the future. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.